the Jesuits of Canada and the United States, this is AMDG, and I'm Eric Clayton. If you're a long-time listener of this podcast, or a long-time friend of Jesuits and Jesuit institutions, the claim made by our guest today might shock you. We need more than Ignatian spirituality in our lives as Christians. Of course, you're likely nodding, right? This is probably obvious. And yet, too often, as our guest today, Jesuit priest Father Rosano Zasfries de Cole, claims, in our lives of faith, we stop short of the depth into which God invites us to plunge. Father Rosano is the author of a wonderful book, Ignatian Christian Life, a new paradigm for post-Christianity. And while he and his work are deeply grounded in and influenced by Ignatian spirituality and Ignatius of Loyola himself, Rosano takes us on a journey in and through mystery, pulling in characters like Jonathan Cross and Sigmund Freud. The goal, as Rosano notes in our conversation, is to recognize the mystery that is each of us and to bring our unique mystery in conversation with the ultimate mystery, God. In the process, our prayer lives inevitably change and grow and deepen, and that's where Rosano invites us to reconsider how we think about Ignatian spirituality. Born in Peru, Rosano has spent a great deal of time in Rome and now is a professor of Christian spirituality at the Jesuit School of Theology in Berkeley at Santa Clara University. And if you're interested in learning more about Father Rosano's book, check out the show notes below. Now, here's my conversation. Father Rosano Zasfriste Cole, welcome to AMDG. Glad to have you with us today. Oh, thank you very much. I'm glad also to be here with you. Yeah, we're, we're excited because we're going to talk about this really great new book you've published um, called Ignatian Christian Life, A New Paradigm for Post-Christianity. And you, uh, you really delve deeply into a lot of concepts that I think our listeners will be familiar with, while also... I think pulling in uh, just insights and experiences from other places in our tr tradition and out, out of our tradition um, that I think people will, will find really energizing and, and helpful in their own faith lives. So but before we get into all of that, let's start um, just by addressing the title of your book. Uh, what, what does it mean to be living in an era of post-Christianity? You know, what are the signs and what are our roles as Christians? Well, I think that we we feel that uh, Christianity is not uh, is anymore uh, a, a point of reference in our society. At least at the first hand, we feel that uh, the way we understand our life is not immediately Christian because we have a lot of other options today, and Christianity is just one option um, in this. Uh, with other options. And this is what uh, Charles Taylor, I think she shows very good how through the, the centuries we have been in through this process from the Protestant reform until today. So the main, uh, the main sign is that we are not immediately, uh, society doesn't offer us immediately a Christian way to understand our life. And maybe in the time of Ignatius, Christianity was immediately who, what gives 
sense to, to the life. And maybe 50 or 60 years ago, it was also Christianity, but today it's not so. I think that's the main difference and what we, we can call a secularization. And it occurs to me too, you know, as you're talking, uh, you know, there was, in some ways, you know, society was, uh, you know, giving us those Christian structures, um, and not not so much anymore, right? Uh, you know, for for better and for worse. Um, but now, I think that that elevates us as Christians in society, right? To to kind of be, you know, what what would be that role that you think we should be playing or or looking for um, as we're, uh, you know, managing our way through. Uh, this post-Christian uh, society? Well, uh, the fact is that uh, I think each Christian becomes a, a seeker of their own uh, um, identity, identity, and it's very important because not having the help that we had before in, from, the, from the society, the environment, now we have to to, to look by by your own, by each one has to to find his his path. So it's uh, it's very interesting in some way and more difficult, I think, than other other time because uh, we need a more effort and we have less help from the outside. We can we can say if you if someone lives in a community, of course, that helps a Christian community or a parish that will help but even in that situation you have to to always be uh, under uh, confrontation with uh, insights that got insights and inputs that came from from outside it's interesting to think you you do a lot of really great writing on uh, the idea of mystery you know with both a capital m and a lowercase m um, and it sounds as you're describing this idea of, of kind of how we as Christians navigate the world, um, there's more effort, you said, right? And um, in in my mind, that, that actually is exciting because we are then able in some ways to go deeper into that mystery. So can you talk a little bit about um, you know, what, what you mean when you think about and write about mystery? Because you have two categories, at least by my reading of your work, kind of a personal inter interior mystery, and then also kind of mystery as, as out there, as, as other. So explain that to us. Well, uh, I think that at one point of, um, of life, everybody uh, asks themselves for the, the meaning and sense of their life. And the great uh, discovery is that you, you, you are you are living. You are aware that you are living, but being aware that you are living, you don't have automatically a sense of, for your life. So you have to to find a sense for your life, and that's uh, very important. That's what I call the first level of mystery, an anthropological level of mystery. And so, from that point of view we can say that everybody's a mystic because everybody has a mystery inside. Uh, that is the, the way to, to find who I am and what I'm going to do with my life. I have to give a project to, to my life. And this project, we have to, to choose it and we have to, to find it. And of course, when we uh, ask to the society, what is the society? Uh, offers me to give sense to my life. And here I connect what I was saying before about uh, secularization, that uh, the problem is that there is a lot of uh, possibilities, offers to give sense, and that helps not to have uh, a really quick uh, in 
not to construct in a very quick way uh, a sense or a meaning for for the life. Maybe before, some years, some decades ago, centuries ago, with Christianity, that will will give sense to life and to death. But today is not that uh, that easy. So I found outside myself that I found also no uh, answer. And where do I have to 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 find an answer? And the way we understand it is that the only way to have a real answer is in an attitude of uh, relationship with the mystery. Don't have don't having an scientific approach to myself to give a sense. But instead of that, to be open to the mystery I am. And I think that when one realizes that uh, I understand that I can understand myself, then that's the point when you open yourself to the mystery. And then it's the possibility to hear the mystery. And that's why it's so important a contemplative attitude and a silent attitude toward myself. Because you are not going to answer to the meaning and sense of your life, I think through psychology, sociology, neuroscience, you, the, the way to answer to your life is uh, get in touch with the mystery. So the first stage is you get in touch with the mystery that you are, and then you go outside and you find that there's also no answer. Uh, where is it the, the answer? And that's the moment when you are open to the, the transcendence dimension of our human condition. And in that, uh, in that uh, mystery is where God is going to talk. That's beautiful. I, it also, I think, underlines your earlier point of the, the additional effort it takes to navigate, um, you know, reality now, uh, you know, in, in a world where there are so many options and choices and, and so many difference, uh, differences of approaching, you know, mystery, religion, spirituality. How do you keep, um, how do you, and so again, it's, it's hard work, right? So you, mystery within, mystery without, you know, answers are, are, are kind of fluid and abundant and, and hard to, you know, navigate all the time. How do you keep, or, or in your, in your classes and as your work as a, as a, as a priest, how do you keep people from despair, from from feeling overwhelmed by so much mystery and so much um, unknown uh, that they might just kind of fall into nihilism or or, or um, say nothing, nothing really matters? How do you keep people hopeful? Well, that's uh, that's the the, the point. Uh, when when somebody uh, is aware that we are in front of a mystery. We have to to be in silence to 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 hear what the mystery says to us. Otherwise, of course, if you have only a rational attitude, you are going to despair. It's not a possibility to to hope. Hope comes when you uh, realize that you live in the mystery, and you have to wait for an answer from the mystery. That is what our tradition says that God will. Uh, will talk to us or God talks to us and we have to hear it. It's, that's the, the same thing. But today, as I said, it's more difficult for the uh, conditions that we have from, from outside that helps to be more distract in the, in the inside. So the attitude of hope, that which is uh, fundamental as is faith, 
and love, of course, comes from this attitude to to be faithful that uh, you are going to receive an answer from the mystery if you talk from the mystery that you are. Don't try to uh, understand. We see in the Bible, Bible um, people who wants to understand God, they are not going to understand anything. But the poor can understand. Why? Because they they said you they recognize who is god they recognize who they are and they have an attitude to 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 hear like a poor and they ask for a, a, a an answer to the mystery that they are but we realize that we are in front of the mystery of god and in front of the mystery of god uh, it's it's wonderful because if you are really in front of the mystery of God, you will find peace, you will find consolation. You're not going to find desperation. You are going to be despair if you want to answer from a scientific point of view the meaning of your life. That doesn't mean that you have to, to use your intelligence, of course. That's it. But uh, if, if you realize that you can't give a sense to your life, well, you can be happy giving you your own sense to your life. That's the, the, the sense has to come from outside, from the mystery that it's in some way calling you from the mystery you are. Yeah, I love that. I think um, the idea that, yeah, that, you know, hope comes from recognizing the mystery within and then waiting to hear the mystery without. Um, yeah, I love that. Um, so, so in kind of in framing your, your book, you talk about two very different people, right? Ignatius, Ignatius of Loyola, um, who our listeners know well, uh, and Sigmund Freud. Uh, can you talk a little bit about how these two individuals help us understand this changing nature of spirituality and, and meaning making? Yes, uh, it's it's uh, for me when I realized this was very interesting because you see, uh, when I was saying that we are in a secularized uh, uh, condition and we see Ignatius. Ignatius was in front of the mystery of God. He understood that he was a, a mystery when he was in Loyola and then in Manresa and then he tried to follow this mystery through the prayer and discernment. And he, at the end of his days, he, he has um, give us a way to understand the, our relationship with God through the spiritual exercises in some way. And so Ignatius put us in front of the mystery and give, and he gives us a tool to understand the mystery that we are and the mystery that God is through the, the exercises. And what Freud does is he is giving us also a tool, which is the psychoanalysis, but it's not to understand our relationship with the mystery of God, but to understand the relationship with the mystery that we are, because we discovered the unconscious, and he discovered that we have an unconscious dimension of ourselves that makes it's a very important influence to our behavior and way of thinking. So he gives us a tool, which is the psychoanalysis, to understand ourselves in 
making in some way in communication with our unconscious but religion hasn't doesn't have to do nothing about this so we have that Ignatius is in relation with God which is the mystery and Freud makes us in relationship with the mystery and today something like that happens when we see the the new approach to cosmology what they are what we are understanding of the universe and we want to understand how this everything begins how this everything develops and of course that's important and that helps also to understand who we are as humankind in some way that helps us to open to the mystery but the approach to the mystery that the cosmology opens us today is, is you are not going to resolve through an through a scientific approach you have to be open to the mystery as Ignatius was open to the mystery but if we have uh, the uh, uh, we remain in a closed um, attitude as was Freud just denying a, any religious dimension any uh, transcendence uh, relationship with mystery then we are going to find um, scientific ways to understand ourselves but th that's another way to give a sense to ourselves close in ourselves and not open to to transcendence that's why i find that it's very interesting because we today we normally we think like uh, like freud when we want to understand ourselves uh, we go to psychology like so neuroscience anthropology i don't know and and when we don't have uh, an answer from this uh, horizon, then we try maybe another horizon and we start um, searching, searching, searching. And when the only way to, to, to have an answer is to, to be open to, to the transcendence of mystery. In this sense, that's what Ignatius shows us. Yeah, I, and I know you talk about in your writing. Um, I, I, I figure it was it was kind of hard and soft mystery, or or these kind of different kinds of, of as you're describing different horizons. Um, and and uh, you know it it sounds like there's a need to to do both to go within and to go without, as you said, but um, but but to not accidentally impose limitations kind of on our on our own kind of horizons of, of opening up and, and allowing God to, to seep in. And I know you, you, you talk about another kind of key figure in our tradition, um, you know, St. John of the Cross. So I wonder, what, what does he add to this, this conversation about mystery um, and the different ways in which we uh, can encounter, uh, you know, uh, capital, capital M mystery and lowercase m mystery? Yes, uh, the fact is that... Uh... In the, the the book, I have in reality I have different levels of uh, of readings. There are different horizons that they are all um, all in, in in interaction. For example, I said I talk uh, about secularization in Occident. I talk about the relationship between the human condition and mystery, and I talk also about the relationship between reflection and, and experience and the importance of decision-making. And there's another level, which is the relationship with spirituality, as we understand in a postmodern um, condition, and we uh, how we understand in a modern condition. And I think that uh, John of the Cross helps us to, 
to make a shift. And that's what I talk about a new paradigm. And the shift is very simple because John of the Cross and the great mystical tradition from the Western talks about uh, the development of the relationship with God, the development of the relationship with mystery. And he says, when one faithful starts praying, normally the first stage of this prayer during maybe years is, are through meditation. So you need concepts and you need images and to, to think about, to reflect. And after that, that maybe it's going to take years, there appears a new, um, a, a new, a new situation where the faithful feels that it's not enough just to meditate, but he will like or she will like to be in silence. And that's what starts the contemplation. So at the first part, John of the Cross says that the first part of the development of the life of prayer is centered in meditation, but the second part is starts centered in contemplation. But, and here is the point, it's not contemplation as we understand in the exercises, because when we, um, we talk about contemplation in the exercises, we're talking about imagination and initials as, 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 as to reflect. So we are still in a world of concepts and imagines, but the great tradition, our great mystical tradition, when, talks, when, when she talks about contemplation, she's talking about uh, a way of prayer that goes beyond conce concepts, beyond uh, images, and just be in silence in the presence of, of God, as uh, many ways of meditation that are popular today. So this, uh, in this point, it's very important to, uh, to understand that if we, if John of the Cross says that it's normal, this goes through meditation first and then contemplation, then we have to understand from the Ignatian spirituality that we have to under, to, we have to take this process and assimilate in our conception of Ignatian spirituality. But our conception of the Ignatian spirituality in reality during the centuries from Ignatius until today, this mystical dimension was not uh, assumed, uh, I think, in a very wide sense and in a very deep sense, because what was uh, what happened, it was that uh, after Ignatius' death, the, the Jesuits, especially two generals, which were uh, Borgia, Francis Borgia and Mercuriano, they will say, we, how are we going to identify uh, Ignatius' state, style of prayer? And they said the Ignatian style of prayer is praying with the uh, ways of prayer, the modes of prayer that are in the exercise. And so we are not going to allow contemplative ways of prayer. For example, uh, prayers as uh, John of the Cross or Teresa of Avila. And so that makes uh, a real difference. And that's why it's not popular in our tradition, the mystical way of, uh, of prayer. But if we renounce to that, we are saying that we, uh, 
it's funny, but we are just like saying that we want to remain in the first step of the develop of the Christian life, and we don't go to go forward. So the reason what I am saying that it's better not to talk anymore about nation spirituality because it's talking a way that this contemplation and mystical dimension is not taking consideration. That's what in my book I develop in the second chapter all the mystical nation tradition, and that's what I say. It's better if we want to assimilate the mystical and contemplative tradition of the society to a new way to understand that is more actual to the postmodern, post-Christian time, I will say then we can talk about in-nation uh, Christian uh, tradition, in-nation Christian life. That's that's the, the point. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense, and that's a, that's a good um, example of a... It, it, it's hard to always... I think in some ways it's hard to think about prayer as like a linear this step one, step two, step three, but also it's, um, I think in some ways it's important as you've described so that we don't uh, uh, limit ourselves. Um, go ahead. I, I will say that it's not, a pra- life of prayer is not like steps. It's, uh, it's like uh, moments. Uh, mm. You're a child, you're an adolescent, you're a, a young adult, you're an old man, a woman. Uh, so also in the, the normal way to, to develop the, the life of relationship with God, which is very, uh, very, uh, very uh, impregnated of, uh, of prayer and discernment, uh, it develops in, in a way that starts with meditation and goes to contemplation. So that's the way... Uh, Normally is the the way that develops. So it's a, a normal way. I will say just steps because that uh, that will be more like you you can manage that. It it's it depends on your relationship of God and what God wants to give you too. You right. you you can have a really great disposition, but God uh, works how He wants with with you. It makes me think, um, you know, if you like, you go out to dinner and you see maybe two different couples having having dinner, and one's maybe on a first date and they're talking and they're you know working hard to really get to know each other, and then you see maybe an elderly couple who's been together a long time and they're sitting in silence, and you might look and say, oh, that that looks boring. What are they doing? But in fact, it's that it's the it's the it's the depth, right? As you said, a, a culmination of moments that have uh, produced this. Would that be fair? That's a wonderful example. Congratulations, you've got. It. <laughs> <laughs> All right, excellent, A plus. Um, well, let's so let's let's go into you know you write about um, about choice and and choosing and the act of choosing and, and and I was actually really interested. You had this whole like list of synonyms of what it means to choose, but this one I want to pull one little clip here. You write that to choose quote is an inner process of responsibility taking towards something or someone. I thought the idea of of choosing as responsibility taking. Um, was was really significant in my mind. H- how can we be more intentional uh, in our choices, and how can we better reflect on the repercussions in, in, in kind of keeping with that responsibility taking? Yes, what I develop in the book is an approach that has to has to do with uh, the relationship with God. You can apply it for every kind of decisions, I think, but the human way to make decisions is the way we also make decisions when we are in a relationship with God. 
that the big difference is that the first motion that you have, which makes you uh, feel something and think something, and then puts you in a process of reflection, and finally to get a decision, that makes the difference. What is that's what Ignatius says: the the motion that comes from the from the good spirit. Of course, when we talk about discernment, we have to understand the motion that I have. Does it comes from the good spirit or does it comes from the bad spirit? And it's not so that's why it's so important discernment and not only prayer. But what makes you uh, be in a, a process of uh, of uh, of uh, Christian decision making is a process where you recognize that you have an input that comes from from God. And the way you receive it, because it's uh, normally when we think about mystical experience, we think about something beautiful, exciting that we feel. But that's the first step. Then you recognize what you are feeling. But then you have to reflect about that. And then you have to make a decision. When Paul was going to Damascus and he saw what he saw and heard Jesus saying, what are you uh, against me? Uh, so Paul was uh, su surprised is to say no, not enough. He was really astonished. What's going on? What's happened? And then he took years to understand who was Christ because he has his Jewish background. And then he worked, reflect. And the main time he was reflecting, he was arriving to some truths, true things, uh, true statements. And then he says, okay, I assume this. And that's the moment of the decision. When we have a, a religious experience, I don't know, uh, participating in the, the sacraments, reading the, the Bible, or just having a, a good idea that comes from the good spirit, then we, we are aware of God and we have to reflect what that means. We have to assimilate that to our life. And then maybe we have to do something to take our decisions to put in that. But if it's only an inner decision like, oh, I decide to, to love God, nobody's going to decide to love God is going to say, I love you. But to say I love you to, to God or to someone, you are making the decision to, to love. And so that implies that you are having a, a very deep relation with the person who you are loved. And of course that has consequence. If you are not consequent with the consequence, that's what in the relationship with God we will call a, a sinner. Yeah. Yeah, no, I um I think again, this is just gets back to kind of, I think a theme we've been we've been pulling through this this whole conversation that where we are now in in kind of our, our lives and society, uh, again the faith life is is one of, of of kind of greater effort but but greater depth as a result. And I think what you're describing as um, you know God acting upon us, um, we aren't just kind of um, you know helpless uh, you know agentless victims, right? There's this collaboration, and and when we make that choice, that that election, right, Ignatian terminology. Um, to be for God, um, 
you know, it isn't, it isn't a passive thing. It, it you know, it, it always strikes me when we're in the exercises and you're praying to kind of conform yourself to God's will. It sounds like a, a passive thing, but in fact, right, it's that great discovery of, of God's spirit kind of rushing through reality and kind of bringing you along with it. And I, I, I um, it just, yeah, again, it just, just seems, it just seems like this um, greater effort, greater depth and faith. And that's what we have uh, right now. Um, Near the end of your book, uh, I'll, then I'll get back to you. I feel like I'm now I'm monologuing here. But near the end of your book, you write, again, a, 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 something that jumped out at me. The process of Christian transformation can be summed up as the transition from consumerism to being consumed by Jesus Christ. And I think that I, I'm beautiful. I, I think it sums up some of what we've been talking about. Would you like to reflect at all on that on that statement? Oh, yes. <laughs> Thank you for that. Uh, remember me that sentence. We are in a, in a society where we 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 buy things and we want to and we like to buy things if we have the possibility to to buy, of course. But you know, there is we want to to have things to obtain things, and we we maybe we have that attitude also with spiritual. Goods. We want to come to have uh, spirituality. We want to have meditation. We want to have contemplation. But at the beginning, uh, maybe uh, that helps really because I want that for me. But during the process, you understand that you are not going to have it, but you are going to be assimilated in the mystery. So, uh, in this sense, you start. If we talk about uh, Christianity, religion, and spirituality, uh, or life Christian experience, we say that you want to to be Christian. It's like you want to become Christian, but then you realize during the process that it's not that you are going to become. Of course, you are going to become because you make decisions, but the inputs that come comes from from God, and when you start in that process and you start loving God well you are you are not going to be tired for to to love nobody gets tired to from from love uh, other one and so what happens is that you you are at the end consumed by the love that you have for for God at the beginning maybe you start to consume uh, goods, spiritual goods, but then you understand that the more you love, the more you are consumed interiorly. So the way to 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 follow Jesus and to get in union with God is for is uh, forgiving yourself, but also um, forgetting your yourself, and that means that you are in a consummation process of love because love is fire love is giving love is um, forgetting on, from yourself self uh, dying we can say in a good way so that's what i think that we uh, we go from we start con like consumers but at the end of that journey we are consumed by what we want to consume that's the that's the interesting thing. Yeah, beautiful. Um, last question, and um, we can leave our listeners with with something to chew on. Circling back to the title of your book, right, Ignatian Christian Life. What would you give readers, give listeners, uh, to, to, as a reflection? 
if they want to kind of get out and, and live the Ignatian Christian life, what, what are like the key, key thing that you want them to walk away with from this conversation? I, I will say that the, the more important thing is to, 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 to pray, to be trustful, to start meditating, and then with someone that helps uh, you to, to go through silence and have a silent prayer. But that depends also with the relationship with God. So I will say, go through prayer, go through discernment, and trying to, to, to understand that we live in the mystery. We are mystery, and we live in the mystery. And that has to help us to understand ourselves as mystery in our personal history, in our re relationship with the society, and also with the human uh, human's history. So God is a mystery that is in some way that we don't understand, but we can follow. You see, this is the difference. We can understand, but because we, because he talks us, he talks us in our heart, not because it's clear, uh, like uh, a path that we want to follow, but it's clear in our heart that love is the way and the mystery to understand ourselves, society, and also the human history. I will say that. Perfect. Well, Rosano, uh, you've given me a lot to think on uh, and to pray with, and I hope uh, same for our listeners. Um, thank you for your time today. And we will uh, we'll put a link in the bottom of the show notes here so that folks, if they're interested in your book, um, can, can check it out. Thanks so much. Thank you very much. AMDG is a production of the Jesuit Conference of Canada and the United States and recorded at our headquarters in Washington, D.C. and occasionally in my basement. This episode was edited by me, Eric Clayton. Our theme music is by Kevin Lasky. The Jesuit Conference communications team is Mike Jordan Lasky, Marcus Bleach, Megan Leapsch, Beggy Sindelar, and me, Eric Clayton. Connect with the Jesuits at Jesuits.org and on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Get weekly email reflections by visiting jesuits.org weekly. If you or someone you know would like to learn more about becoming a Jesuit or Jesuit life in general, connect with your local vocations promoter at beajesuit.org. Drop us an email with questions or comments at media at jesuits.org and subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And as St. Ignatius may or may not have said, go and set the world on fire.